You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com friends welcome back to the broadcast welcome back to corbett report radio once again i'm your host as always for the next hour of radio transmission james corbett of corbettreport.com coming to you as always from the sunny climes of western japan and it is the first of november for me here it is halloween evening for all of you stateside so i hope you're enjoying your halloween festivities or whatever it is you do thankfully i'm glad to be in a country where we don't really do any of that nonsense but that's just my own curmudgeon nature at any rate uh, I'm glad that you're joining me for tonight's edition of the broadcast because we do have an interesting conversation lined up for you tonight. Tonight we're traveling across, uh, ac- halfway across the globe, really. We're going to be talking to our old friend Leon Petard of FairDinkumRadio.com from the sunny climes of Eastern Australia. So uh, let's just bring him right up and get him in on the conversation. Leon, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, James. Good to be with you. Well, it's good to have you here, and uh, there's a lot to talk about w- with what's going on, not only in Australia, but of course things impacting across the around the world and across the globe. And we have talked before on CorbettReport.com, so that is in the interview archives there. Uh, you've also been in one of my Boiling Frogs Post eye-opener reports. But uh, you, it may be the first time that some of the people are hearing you on the radio program, so let's just start by introducing yourself, your website, and the work that you do. Well, thanks, James. Yes, uh, Fair Income Radio is now been running for just on its 12 months, our first birthday actually right now, and um, yeah, it's been very good. I really uh, wanted to uh, develop an alternative media platform in Australia to especially uh, deal with the issues that we are facing down here. Um, I had kept my ears to the ground worldwide always and always felt there was a need for an alternative perspective down under. And so that's what I endeavoured to um, start and set up and it's been a, a pretty uh, fast journey. It's been a great 12 months. It's been fantastic. It's been uh, really, really good. Um, as you know, it just gets busier and busier and it's just a matter of trying to keep up with and trying to, I guess, uh, work out what it is best to deal with in the sphere that you can. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, certainly, there is no slowing down when once you start getting into this, as I can personally attest to. Hopefully, it doesn't consume your entire life. But uh, but let's just talk a little bit about Australia. Then, what's what's the truth media landscape like down there? How uh, how's the alternative media uh, coming coming together there? Well, there's um, quite a, a spattering of alternative media. Um, very uh, quite a wide cross section. Um, there's a couple of people doing radio like I am and um, a couple of uh, blog sites. There's, there is some quite big blog sites. Um, Joan Over is very um, big in the science and uh, science climate change um, subjects. And yeah, I've been endeavouring to basically try and get all these people together and, you know, touch base with them and and, you know, uh, we'll work collaboratively as much as we can, even though we continue to do things in a different sphere. But it is uh, there's a lot of different issues we're facing down here. It's not just, um, uh, you know, we've got farmers that are really in resistance to a lot of um, government changes that are taking place. We have uh, the climate aspect, which is uh, very big. There's a very big resistance pushing back down here. We have... Uh, a lot of fluoride resistance in um, a lot of the areas around Australia. That's pretty big. 
and really there are so many different aspects that we're dealing with there's a there's a strong smart meter um, resistance here a different coalition of different groups all around the country um, there is always also those um, um, coal seam gas is a big issue to the farmers and indeed water rights and in fact our food security is really being threatened at the moment uh, th- from all these different issues which we can probably touch on later Absolutely. Yeah, tons of stuff going on and a lot of it affecting a lot of the people down at the um, at the population level there. So we're going to be talking about a lot of different issues tonight. Once again, talking to Leon Petard of FairDinkumRadio.com. I hope you'll go there to check out his previous work. And let's take a short breather. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, friends, welcome back to the broadcast. Once again, this is Corbett Report Radio, and tonight, if you're just joining us, we are talking to Leon Petard of FairDinkumRadio.com. And for those, uh, well, non-Australians in the crowd, that's Fair, F-A-I-R, Dinkum, D-I-N-K-U-M, Radio.com. Of course, the link to that will be in the show notes for tonight's episode, so you can find that at CorbettReport.com. But, uh, Leon, let's start talking about some of the vast range of issues that you cover there on your website. As you were going there on before the break, there's a lot of uh, different issues that you cover, from health to food security to climate change, all of these various issues swirling around there. But before we get into the the issues, perhaps we can just get a feel for the political landscape there in Australia. For people who who might not be familiar with what's going on there, perhaps you can just tell us what uh, what the broad overview of the system is and who's currently in charge, at least in terms of the uh, the political puppet theatre. Okay, well, we have uh, a socialist government um, entrenched at the moment. This is their second term in, in government. Um, they are rolling out a typical, typical uh, socialist um, uh, legislation in every way they can. Indeed, media controls are right on their in their targets. Um, they are really working towards restrictive uh, media controls. They've just uh, finished not long ago an inquiry by a Professor Finkelstein, which they ordered, which is basically aiming to. Um, Keep an eye on blog sites with any visits more than 10 to 15 a day, um, a total monitoring of all internet activity and bring that into the press council and similar rules with uh, the mainstream radio and television. And so they have their eyes on um, tightening up controls. They want to do something before the end of the year. Uh, they have never hidden the, that, that fact and in fact, um, some of the people here on the grassroots have already felt some of the heat from complaints that get lodged. Um, indeed, uh, where we left off last time, James, and we can jump into that a little later, was the TGA coming after us for talking about an alternative cancer therapy. Um, that's sort of an ongoing thing which we can get into later with health, but the the socialist government that's entrenched at the moment is is in, incredibly corrupt. Um, there is uh, incredible corruption at that level, and it's it's amazing that the uh, the courts. Well, I shouldn't say amazing, I suppose, but the courts and the police seem powerless to rein it in. It looks as though the uh, Liberal Conservative Party will probably win the next election, but you know how it goes. I mean, their aim is to um, really. Uh, disannul the carbon tax that's their main plank on which they are running 
Um, and the carbon tax has been adjusted 10 times actually since it come in with a floor price of $29 a tonne. So the opposition's been running on the carbon tax um, mantra, but we what obviously will happen, they'll win the election, they'll make some adjustment, but the regime will continue. I mean, really, both parties are that similar. And, uh, you know, it, it's only those that are really buying into the hope of some alternative that would actually buy the sales pitch. But both parties really are... Um, completely committed to a globalist agenda. Um, I have statements going back to 1975 where Australia was a scientific experiment in democracy, um, uh, in elite bipartisanship against the, um, the populace of the population and the pushback from the people. Basically, uh, both parties were ignoring the pushback. And we see this time and time again and... Of course, this is a familiar meme around the world. So that's a bit of a snapshot of the political uh, landscape here. Uh, it's a globalist agenda. It, it's basically every week you can see another um, tooth on the wheel being implemented and uh, tighter restrictions all around, especially targeting, which uh, is obviously something we are keeping an eye on, uh, internet freedom and the ability to be able to speak uh, what we research and discover. All right. Well, uh, a few very important issues right there on the table right off the bat. So let's talk a little bit about Internet freedom in Australia, because I'm sure many of the listeners out there will remember just a few years ago, they were talking about the the, uh, the clean feed or whatever it was being called, touted as the, the filter, the uh, basically Great Wall of China being implemented in Australia to to try to filter everything going through the internet. And as far as I understand, that's been stalled in committee and is unlikely to to come to fruition, but it sounds like they're just attempting to find other ways to start to regulate the internet. Yes, well, they have... um, They are rolling out the National Broadband Network now, which is basically um, fibre to the home, um, roll out throughout Australia. It's an incredible cost. The costs have blown out already. They're way behind in the... Uh, actual rollout, but the object was with the rollout of the NBN was to have it obs- uh, filtered and to have a filter uh, at the outlet from Australia, uh, of course, which would um, slow down speeds, etc. But this was really the intention behind the NBN. A, it was not um, to actually increase uh, speeds, that was a sales pitch, but the real the real agenda here was uh, tighter media controls, um, tighter uh, restrictions on freedom of speech. Um, this government that's in power now hates free speech. They uh, they hate individuality. Uh, they they go after individuals in in, in many different ways. Um, they are a very intolerant uh, um, uh, a government, and um, they really don't make any secrets about it. Uh, most journalists, even in the corporate media, uh, get targeted by um, complaints that come from um, an unknown source. Uh, These complaints take them to the press council. Even the most conservative corporate journalists in this country basically get um, penalised by process and or they're dragged through the courts and financially penalised. And therefore, even the corporate uh, media employers are very nervous about a very litigious system that we have here in Australia. Um, I think Australia really is an experiment for the global management program. I have thought that for a long time, and I think uh, we have 
uh, as a country been disarmed uh, many years ago after the Port Arthur um, uh, shootings down there. And John Howard, the Conservative Prime Minister, actually disarmed the country instantly after that event. And unlike, um, for instance, America, where they do have a population that are armed and we see there's a development of a police state to virtually counteract any resistance, in Australia there isn't that same level of resistance um, or even possible resistance because basically the people are disarmed. So... Um, the NBN clean feed is still uh, on the shelf, uh, although they don't talk a lot about it. Um, I think even if the Conservative uh, Party wins office, that will probably still take place into the future with a bit of uh, encouragement from our friends at the UN or some other place. Exactly right. And for people who missed that, uh, just recently the UN released a, a report talking about how the internet is too open and thus terrorists can use it. So there has to be some sort of international clampdown. So unfortunately, the, the friends at the UN doing up to their old usual tricks trying to demonize uh, freedom. Um, well, I suppose no surprise there and no surprise in the overall political situation in Australia. But one thing that I think is interesting for uh, for myself personally, anyway, coming from Canada, we have a very similar political system, obviously based on the British parliamentary system. There are multiple parties, but there are generally only two that are vying for actual power in parliament, etc. But uh, but one thing that is quite different is that you are actually re required to vote in Australia. Tell us a little bit about that system. Uh, yes, we have uh, compulsory voting here for all those who would like to comply. And um, basically, if you don't vote, you uh, have the potential to receive um, a, a fine etc and that voting is at uh, local council level state um, state government and federal government um, I should say James before I miss it um, we do have a very strong and growing free man movement here in Australia with people um, understanding that really the um, Australian government that exists is a corporation um, that is registered in Washington, and there is a growing movement studying uh, this theme and um, and really endeavouring to take the matter to court, uh, especially segueing into what we're talking about. I mean, if uh, people get a fine for not voting, they're going to court and basically testing the courts about the validity of a lot of the acts that are instituted here in Australia and indeed whether or not the federal government itself is a uh, lawful entity uh, and if it has not usurped its authority by changing um, there is many different changes that have taken place in the technical department which I won't get into here but changes for instance from the Commonwealth um, the Parliament of Australia rather than the Commonwealth of Australia and there's all these different uh, technical changes that haven't taken place and as you would be aware this is a um, a, a growing understanding in a lot of different uh, places in the world, especially Commonwealth countries, whether or not the actual uh, governments we have are actually um, the same as they were when they were instituted in the lawful sense. And there are many people that are, are, are coming to a realisation that, that isn't the case, that we actually have parallel governments running, which are really corporations, which are endeavouring to bring us into their corporate 
um, circus and, and uh, enslave us within that system. So there's, there's a growing understanding here, um, including myself. Um, there, are, there are many people that understand this uh, a lot better than what I do, but I'm here just uh, feeling my way with these things. But I just thought I'd mention that, that because we are Canada, uh, New Zealand, uh, Britain, Australia, we do have that similarity of the Commonwealth uh, Constitution and really common law behind us. Uh, but the situation we have in each country is probably a lot different from the intent to begin with. Unfortunately so. And uh, and it's good to see that there, there are more people who are becoming aware of that. I think that is obviously a worldwide phenomenon. But I know there in Australia, you've had a Republican Republican movement there for a while trying to uh, to get rid of the monarchy um, from, from Australia, which would be a very nice thing to see, I think, in a lot of the Commonwealth countries. But on that note, let's take another short break. Once again, we're talking to Leon Petard of FairDinkumRadio.com, and we'll be back right after these messages. The Corbett Report is brought to you by you. Your support makes The Corbett Report possible. Sign up for the subscriber newsletter or purchase a DVD at corbettreport.com slash support. All right, friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Once again, you are tuned into Republic Broadcasting tonight, and we are talking to Leon Petard of FairDinkumRadio.com there in Australia, talking about the view from down under and all of the uh, very interesting issues that uh, the Australian public is facing and in some ways is the canary in the coal mine for a lot of uh, things that I think will be affecting people around the world. So we were just talking about Australian politics there before, and of course something that has dominated Australian politics uh, and the political conversation there for the last year or two has been the uh, the carbon tax, which has recently come in. Australia attempting to lead the world in terms of basically butchering its own economy in the uh, the ridiculous quest of trying to lower greenhouse emissions as if this is going to drive the climate. But that science be- aside, certainly the political issues swirling around here are interesting, and as as some people may or may not know, as far as I understand at any rate, this was actually implemented despite the fact that current Prime Minister Julia Gillard promised not to implement it when she was being uh, put into office, but now they have uh, gone ahead with it because of political wrangling with the Greens. But, uh, but Leon, let's pick up the story f- from when uh, this was implemented. And as you say, it's been, uh, it's been adjusted a number of times now. It's obviously hugely unpopular. Just walk us through this issue and what Australians are, are thinking and feeling about this. Well, the current Prime Minister... Uh, made a promise to the people uh, 10 days before the election and she said that there would be no carbon tax under the government she leads. Um, the Treasurer uh, basically said the same thing. Um, I think the total number of count that they said it was something like seven times in the last week leading up to the election. The election was really a hung election and depended on the support of some key independents Uh, unfortunately one of them living in the area where I live and I do remember that we had a meeting with him prior to this event taking place and there was a group of farmers that met in the local town where I live here and uh, we basically sat him down and said look we want you to go back to Canberra and tell Canberra that we do not want a carbon tax we can see that this is going to um, affect uh, our lives, you know, exponentially with expense and cost, and of course most of us understood it was a fraud anyway. And he basically told us that um, he did not 
answer to us, but he had been elected to make decisions for us. And that was uh, quite an interesting meeting. It got quite heated. But I think for a lot of people it was probably good because it really is a reflection of how these people think about the common man and about the people that they are there to represent. Um, they, they really believe that they are elected to make the decisions for us and our decisions are no longer to be taken into account after they win office. So the current Gillard government um, came to power basically with uh, the support of two to three independents and since then uh, coming to power it has been racked with corruption and scandal and all the things that you would just expect from a good loving government that really hates its people. But anyway, they have instituted the carbon tax. Um, uh, further to that, really, Julia Gillard run around the world splashing about $3 billion to African and uh, other countries in order to get a temporary seat on the UN. This was all hidden in grants and um, overseas aid and projects but it was all uh, miraculously granted in the months leading up to the vote on the UN Security Council and they did win a temporary seat on the UN Security Council. The propaganda is that it really cost us about uh, half a, a billion dollars. That's what the money that you can see and the rest of the money was given in offshore grants to other countries who just happened to vote for Australia. So that's another aspect um, of that, the carbon tax really has increased the cost of living everywhere. And it's not only the carbon tax, but the state governments have also agreed to a lot of green environmental uh, issues, which are like green mandatory targets that the electricity uh, retailers and wholesalers must, must actually meet. And they must source I think there's a percentage like 7% of their power from wind or solar. And what that has done is driven the price of electricity. A 50% increase uh, in retail bills into your door over the last two years. And so the, the, the troops are very angry down here. Uh, the, you know, the common man, the citizens of Australia are very angry. Uh, just listening to the chatter on uh, different corporate talkback, people are just, they're so enraged that they've been completely um, deceived and, um, and lied to by this government. And they really are looking for a change, but I'm afraid that they're looking in the wrong area, obviously, because, um, as you know, any government or future government that still has a globalist agenda, you can guarantee that the prices will never come down and the transnational corporations will continue to dominate the uh, corporate economic landscape. And segueing into the fact that state governments here have allowed transnational corporations to come into this country, enjoy five years tax-free and... They go in and rape good farming land. Surprise, surprise. Well, I think that's very much in line with what we see going on around the world. But uh, but absolutely some fascinating issues. Again, we're coming up against a break, but we have a nice long segment coming up after this where we can start transitioning into some of the other issues, food security and health issues, etc. So stay tuned right there. We'll be back with more with Leon Petard of FairDinkumRadio.com right after this. 
Alright friends, welcome back. Once again, we are talking to Leon Petard of FairDinkumRadio.com tonight, and we're talking about the situation there in Australia, and uh, some of the issues that are affecting them there, and of course, affecting people around the globe. And just before the break, uh, Leon, you were starting to talk about the transnational corporations and their growing influence over the uh, the local farmers, etc. Let's, let's talk about that and what the uh, situation is like there. Well, this is probably the biggest, one of the biggest issues we're facing as far as uh, food security and national um, independence. It, really, our independence is being destroyed, and this is being done through, uh, obviously, through UN agreements and, and UN treaties that have been taking place over the last 20 years, uh, going back, well, even prior to 1975. So these uh, agreements basically were... Uh, written so that we would transfer our manufacturing to uh, third world countries, so that we would transfer our processing, including food processing, to other countries. And uh, not only our processing and manufacturing, but also our economy, that there would be a financial transfer of uh, of capital, of, of dollars and cents, to uh, third world countries. So this has been a deliberate uh, strategy by the globalists and of course this plays into a lot of different factions within the country also um, but getting back to the food security really um, I don't want to miss this because what's happened is that Australia is rich in resources and from what I have discovered each area in the world is basically assigned a certain task within the globalist system. And this is obviously when it's drawn up on a drawing board, so to speak. And I can see that Australia really has been a lot of the, um, the, the place of supplying minerals and resources to corporate um, interests and banking interests around the world. And, of course, the world needs resources and Australia has them. Now, we are rich in coal seam gas and coal, iron ore, all minerals. And yet Australian farmland, prime agricultural land in Australia, is really only about 3% of the country. And yet this 3%, there is about 10% of it that has been lost even in the last five years to transnational corporations and mining interests. Many of these uh, corporations and mining interests um, come from China. Uh, China is pushing into the area um, very uh, aggressively. They have a paddock-to-plate policy. And who can blame them? I mean, they want to feed their people. And yet what Australian people are seeing is that the government here does not care about our own food security. Indeed, I have heard government ministers say that it is not important for us to grow our own food because we can buy it from China cheaper. And so this, of course, plays into um, the, uh, the common man, the farmer on the ground, believing that really he is not appreciated by the very people he is now paying more and more taxes to every year. In fact, we have farmers bulldozing orange trees um, and, and, and because they are buying oranges from Brazil cheaper than what Australian farmers can grow them. And we have a, a food duopoly here with Coles and Woolworths, the two main supermarket players. And, of course, they are sourcing products as uh, at the best price 
because they want to satisfy their shareholders at the expense of really the Australian farmers. We have vegetable farmers in Tasmania where their farms are really, they're closing them down. They can't grow potatoes anymore because they are losing money on growing potatoes because the potatoes are being sourced offshore. And so with these transnational corporations, governments have given them tax waivers and especially mining companies have had five years tax-free and they have not had to pay one cent for one litre of water. And yet our farmers are being forced to pay for all of their irrigation water and yet coal seam gas companies can come in here and extract gigalitres of water which they use in the manufacture of their coal seam gas it ends up as toxic waste in uh, dams and sediment ponds on the surface where the water is caused to evaporate leaving behind hundreds and thousands of tonnes of salt now they haven't worked out even what they are going to do with this salt this is a this is just a huge problem, James, and really it's 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 the heart of it is the food security of a nation. Um, I, I guess I can see that the game is to uh, decrease our independence and increase our dependence so that we are buying our food off China and other places. And uh, the Australian farmers are walking off their land um, because of the low price of commodities through uh, economic manipulation of the of the uh, markets. Australian farmers don't enjoy any protection from their government at all. And you know, with whatever you think about that, the fact is that they did have at one stage um, protection. Then, with uh, free trade agreements uh, with all other countries, Australia dropped all their protection. But most of the other countries still have measures in place to protect their own farmers. So, food security is a really big uh, issue. Um, Farmers are stressed. Um, farmers have lost confidence in the um, system as it is. And uh, I, I can see that we are no longer anymore a uh, food secure nation. Yet we have the prime farmland here in the capacity to really feed Asia. And that's exactly right. And sadly, again, this is a phenomenon that we see going on around the globe as the interdependence starts to to creep in and the idea of this global community starts to become the stepping stone towards global government. In, in effect, it's really global government by fiat because uh, because once the economy becomes so interdependent, it seems to be the only way that uh, the world can be structured in such a system. So we see a lot of different aspects to this agenda. But of course, it raises the question of what can people do about this? Clearly, the, the solution is not going to come in the ballot box because as we've talked about, the both sides of that uh, that paradigm are completely controlled. So so where is the, the point at which people can start resisting this agenda? Well, the pushback's coming at a lot of different levels. There, there is a green coalition group that are actually resisting uh, the, the coal seam gas and mining corporations and are actually standing with farmers in a um, odd coalition uh, to, in an endeavour to stop the steam train, so to speak. Um, there has been some moves recently where state governments have said that they will start instituting um, taxation on these companies. The interesting thing is, James, that most of the uh, retiring members of parliament, including ex-prime ministers in Australia, are running around the world selling our prime agricultural land. And they are employed by the transnational corporations. And, of course, 
understanding the science of how it works, this, of course, is no surprise. This is the game. This is the way it works. Um, they, after they retire, they get their payoffs uh, by these corporations. They get they get employed by them, and they go around as representatives, really because they have access to all of the open doors that they need in this country to secure land, to secure um, economic interests, uh, to secure rural holdings. Indeed, Cubby Station, one of the largest uh, cotton-growing stations in Australia with the largest irrigation licence in Australia, has just been sold to Chinese interests. And our treasurer has been there about seven times in the last two months. Indeed, one of our ex-Prime Ministers, Bob Hawke, has been in China um, advocating the sale of all of our uh, dairy farms in Australia to Chinese interests. So the push is on. And playing into the anger of the Australian people also, James, before I miss it, is we have an incredible uh, amount of people coming here in boats from um, from Indonesia, from Sri Lanka, um, and they are coming here by the day. And it is just incredible that the the amount of people coming here seeking asylum. And what happened once this uh, this socialist government came to power, they took away all of the border protection laws that the previous conservative government had. And of course, this just gave the people smugglers, smugglers the green light. And there is uh, an incredible influx of people that is coming into the country. And of course, this does play into the globalist hands also in creating this disruption, uh, aggression, anger at the grassroots between different uh, groups in society, i.e. Um, Islamic asylum seekers that uh, may not be genuine at all but come here and get instant social benefits. Of course, I can see the people on the, on the grassroots and the ground roots, the common people who don't understand the game, actually buy into this and think that the, uh, the Islamic people are really the problem. And, of course, you have this agitation at the ground level, riots. Um, we had riots in Sydney after the, that recent um, is, Islamic video was um, uh, released in the United States, even though it really had nothing in it. But we, we do have these different elements that are developing and a really a grassroots warfare between Australians who really want to be loyal to their people and to a, to an extent buy into the um, the, the the fight that is often set up for them, and as a result, we end up with you know, tighter legislation, tighter rules, uh, more restrictions, and the conservative media buys into this like it's just unbelievable. Always advocating for more laws and more restrictions as the answer um, to everything. So. The boat people is a big issue. Um, I, th I think we had allocated like 13,000 asylum seekers a year and we're getting 20,000 plus by boat. And a 1,000 deaths and um, over, I forget the numbers, um, I think the numbers were, well, it's way, it's way over budget, but a 1,000 people have died at sea since they have relaxed the law. So this is probably the, the saddest part of the whole um, boat people situation, but it is creating a lot of anger in Australia amongst the, um, the, you know, the patriotic people of Australia that really want to maintain the Australian identity, which is, uh, like other countries, rapidly changing. 
Right, exactly. Like a lot of countries around the globe, the cultural disruption, and then of course they have the the war on terror rhetoric and narrative behind that, and all of the other ways that they get people pitted against each other and uh, and not focusing on the system that's undermining them. So, again, a lot of different issues swirling around. But we're uh, we're starting to run out of time here, and I definitely want to get to the health uh, regulations and the health regime there in Australia. I know this is a topic that you've been covering and you've uh, dealt with yourself. So let's uh, bring people up to date with your own uh, legal issues situation talking about trying to talk about alternative healthcare products there in Australia? Well, the health angle has become pretty big on, on a pretty big focus on fair income radio. I guess that also is because I am interested in it. Um, indeed, my father was uh, taught me how to grow organic food and my wife and myself, we try and grow most of our own food. We have an orchard and we always grow most of our own vegetables, especially greens, all year round. And uh, I juice a lot, James. I'm right into health. I love speeding in my mind naturally. Uh, I'm always fasting and juicing and really looking for a supercharge from the natural energy. So, uh, you know, natural therapies is a big thing, and I do have a lot of good naturopaths that contribute regularly. And this led us, of course, into uh, a black salve, the subject of black salve, which we spoke of once before. Uh, the TGA did come after me for advertising a, um, in their words, a banned substance. Uh, TGA officers did visit uh, people in their homes and told them to shut down their websites, otherwise they were facing fines of up to $5 million. There is a natural um, health shop that has been selling the ingredients for black salve uh, not put together as a compound, but actually the ingredients are sold separately on a page and they have been pressured by the TGA to actually either shut that down or face court action. I got a notice the other day saying that they were going to comply. Uh, my words, uh, really, they, they were just making readjustments so that they would not come under the fire. So the TGA is using intimidation tactics uh, another group that I interviewed recently, uh, Panacea Bokoff, they have been keeping records of volunteers using Black Salve and giving those records to the TGA and compiling a, a documentary series for hopefully television into the future where they have hundreds of volunteers that have successfully used Black Salve on certain types of cancers. And when I did uh, address this issue, um, I was, it was incredible the amount of correspondence I got from all different parts of the world, including some doctors that I have interviewed since that have actually used Black Salve themselves. And so there is a, a real pushback happening um, in Australia in regard to natural therapies. The, the, the TGA uses intimidation. They sent me a letter, basically a threatening letter. Uh, I think it was 13 pages of, of, of legal language. And really they were inviting me to come into their arena and play their game. Um, I got some good advice from a friend and I framed a response to them and did not hear anything back since. But they have continued to pursue some of the people that I have interviewed. And so... Their tactics really are intimidation, endeavouring to make people comply uh, uh, by threat of financial penalty or 
some sort of uh, legal action of some description. The natural therapy movement in Australia is very a very big movement. Um, a lot of people are interested in health here and um, I seem to be having naturopaths contribute regularly about about natural therapies and it is a, a big part of the platform that um, that I am a part of and, and, and very happily so because I can see that health uh, from the aspect of humanity, we're under assault from so many different angles. We're under assault from chemicals in our food, uh, GMOs, uh, impregnated in all these foods that we don't know about. And really, I am advocating that people endeavour to separate themselves from the corporate food chain as much as possible and learn to grow uh, their own greens. Uh, if Even if it's your own greens, it's a, it, it's a great start. It's not hard to grow your own food and you don't need a lot of space. And so I hope to, in the future, get into more... Um, I guess encouraging people how to separate yourself from the food chain and live healthier by not buying into their system. And that's really the safest way to uh, separate yourself from GMOs, especially where you really don't know any processed food could have it hidden in there somewhere. And I think in generations to come, we're going to see the results of the effect of these GMOs in chronic diseases into the future. That is what I am worried about, too, and I could not stress uh, enough how important it is that people start trying to get off of that corporate food chain. So let's take another short break. We'll come back to wrap things up once again talking to Leon Petard of FairDinkumRadio.com, and we'll talk about some of his future projects and what he might be working on next. So stay tuned right there. We'll be right back. Okay, friends, we're back. We're here in the final minutes of tonight's edition of Corbett Report Radio, and tonight we've been talking to Leon Petard of FairDinkumRadio.com. And I hope you will go there to check out the work that uh, Leon is doing. And Leon, I understand just recently you started your own radio program on the American Freedom Freedom Radio Network. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, yes, James, I've um, been, been offered a, uh, a two-hour slot once a week, um, on a, it, it runs stateside on a Wednesday, Wednesday um, afternoon, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., and it's translated in Australia to uh, 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. Thursday morning. And that's been really good. That's into its fourth week now, and uh, it's been really good. I've been enjoying that. And as you know, it's a it's a different leap going from podcasting into live radio. But yeah, I'm really grateful for the opportunity, and um, that, that's that's been really good. Excellent. Well, tell us about what else you're working on there, what interviews you have coming up, any projects you have going on, anything you're trying to get together for the future. Well, into the future, I'm really hoping to build this platform, uh, especially in Australia. My real hope is that I would be able to run a, um, a nightly, but maybe not nightly, but maybe at least three, four times a week, nightly radio show, bringing together all the different players in Australia. That really has been uh, my ultimate aim to really develop a platform to support the Australian people and endeavour to uh, educate them as to what the real game is behind what they see as the destruction of their country and their national identity. And so going forward, um, I'm really trying to you know, embrace all of the other players who uh, may see things differently on different uh, levels and yet uh, be there as a medium where we can 
encourage each other in the work that we're doing in researching and um, sharing the truth as we see it on these different levels. Um, so that's that's into the future. I had a, a great interview today with Michael Murphy from uh, Why in the World Are They Spraying? And I've been very encouraged by uh, a lot of the um, indip- alternative players in uh, stateside that have been very cooperative and uh, very happy to come on, come on and had some really great some really great con- uh, contributors which are really continuing to cre- contribute into the future. And, and I'm grateful for uh, work such as yours, James, and others that really have encouraged me to, uh, I guess, pick up this torch and say, this is what's needed here. I really want to help our own people. Excellent. Well, it's good to hear that there are more people picking up that torch and, and carrying it because uh, no, not one person can do it by themselves. We all have to, to contribute. So I'm glad to see that happening all around the world, including there in Australia. So once again, fairdinkumradio.com is the place to go if you want more information or want to uh, tune into the podcasts or anything else that uh, Leon has going on there. So Leon Petard, fairdinkumradio.com, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks, James. Uh, thanks for having me. All right, excellent. Well, we'll leave the conversation there. Let me just give a reminder for people out there that I'll be back in 23 hours' time talking to Dan Dix of PressForTruth.tv about his forthcoming documentary, uh, footage that he filmed at Bilderberg 2012. And also, just a reminder that uh, for the remainder of the month, uh, until the end of the month at any rate, there will be no Friday night edition of the radio show. We'll be rebroadcasting some uh, old episodes because I'm preparing for a conference, a 9-11 Truth Conference in Malaysia. In preparation for that, I will be uh, taking some time off the broadcast, so uh, just Friday nights we will not be live. I'll have more information about that conference when and if and as I get it myself. I don't think anything is online in regards to that yet, but when it is, I'll let you guys know. So that's it for me tonight. Until tomorrow night, thank you all for listening and take care. <laughs>